Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. Why don't we eat? Dear, don't cause a fuss. I'll have your spam. I love it. I'm having spam, spam, spam. Cornflakes. 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 Spam, 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 baked beans, spam, 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 and spam. I said I don't want any damn vegetables. Lentils are really good, you know? Mmm, forbidden donut. Better be 12.03. Wow, we're a little bit early today. We're at 12.02 and a half, man. <laughs> Look at that. Jumped in early. Yeah. It's an interesting song, you know. What, the intro music? I think I like it. Oh, really? Booker T and the MGs. Yeah, I think I like it. It's kind of good. Interesting drums yeah. and all that stuff. Very, very good afternoon to you all listeners. Thank you for tuning into 3 Triple RFM. Uh, thank you for joining us for the afternoon because there's a lot happening and uh, it just will get better and better and better. On today's show, we, uh, we've got a, a, a couple of guests. We're, Matt and I were both of us mm. quite excited in the fact that we actually have live guests. We, we were just saying that for two years due to mm. COVID, we weren't allowed to have anyone in the studio. No one. And it's, it's just, it, it feels like it was a long time ago now, mm. but I was just still remarking on the fact that uh, it's quite a treat to be able to have live humans join us uh, and talk into these microphones. It's good. And who's going to join us today, Cameron Smith? Uh, well, we've got Miranda Sharp, who is the, uh, uh, the instigator, the, uh, uh, the fire in the belly, the, uh, the CEO Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure she's the CEO of uh, Melbourne's Farmers Markets. And from little things, big things do grow. Mm-hmm. From little plants, um, people get nourished and fed very, very well. And 20 years ago, mm-hmm. at um, it was at the Collingwood Children's Farm. It was in the, mm-hmm. the Collingwood where it first started off. And yes. from this small idea... Um, about getting nutrition from and great vegetables and great produce from someone you could talk to. Yeah, cutting out the middleman, middle, uh, middle men, uh, middle people. Yes, and um, you know, and the idea of um, uh, growing in great soils and mm-hmm. more nutritious food. Yes, uh, this idea has spread like you wouldn't believe. So we're here to do a little bit of. You know, yes. applause and, and good on you. And find out, who is this person, Miranda Sharp? Well, <laughs> um, a lot of people know who this is, but also to talk about this, what is now a venerable mm-hmm. organisation. Mm-hmm. Um, so Miranda is on first. And then uh, I thought we'd get the view of our local market man down yes. at the Queen Victoria market. His name is John. And uh, we do a quick... Market report. He was um, very, very, very excited about asparagus that he's getting from oh, Kui nice. Rup. Yes. 
Um, so I think you said you're heading off to South Melbourne market after this. I am, yes. Might be a good thing to keep you To get some asparagus as it comes into season. Uh-huh. And there's some gorgeous artichokes around. But uh, it was good, folks, because I know there'll be a lot of you going, that's all you ever talk about. <laughs> it's just <laughs> – we know, Cam, you're artichoke obsessed. And, yes, I am because the liver is evil and must be punished. We know that. And uh, one of the great things about artichokes is that uh, it brings it back. Yeah. Yeah, apparently. Great tonic. Uh, so we'll talk to uh, to John. And um, there's a place, man. There is a place in Sydney Road. And it's called Very Good Falafel. Mm-hmm. And do you know what? I- is it aptly named? They lived their promise. They really, <laughs> really do. Because it's... Um, uh, so funny that I was uh, made aware of uh, uh, a book called uh, for The Very Good Falafel Book, which has uh, 52 very, very, very good salads. Yes. And now, who was I talking to? Elizabeth McCarthy, who mm-hmm. um, works here at the station and is uh, a fabulous uh, talent coordinator and uh, and is also shows herself, and she's also a very, very good literary judge. Yes. And also a very, very good judge of falafel because she went, oh, my God, <laughs> I love those falafels. Um, and then I spoke to our fearless leader, Dave Hoochin, who goes, yeah. oh, yeah, they're really, really good. So everybody <laughs> I talk to just goes, these are just some of the best falafels you will get offside. Yeah. Um, and we have with us uh, Shuki from Very Good Falafel, who, um, well, let's face it, they just run through his blood, these things. <laughs> and uh, we are going to get an idea of um, what is falafel, where did it come from, and also this book about salads. And, uh, and unfortunately, his partner, Louise, business mm. partner, Louise, mm-hmm. uh, couldn't be here, but a great tale because... Uh, uh, Louise apparently grew up growing chickpeas. Oh, as you do. And so it was destined to be, mm-hmm. and apparently they lived in a big old share house in Blythe Street, and that's where the business came together. Yeah. And have, being someone who has lived in big old share houses yes. in my time, I can certainly relate to that. So that is pretty much uh, what is happening. Anything happening exciting on my Instagram? Me did a... a this I know, and sorry, vegetarians. This probably isn't all of the greatest thing you wanted to hear, mm-hmm. but did some beautiful lamb shoulder the other day and um, took a picky of that. Um, Cam Smith ate it, but uh, the next day did something which only I think Australians. Well, maybe not Australians, mm-hmm. but the thing is because we've got so many culinary threads that we can mm-hmm. pull on. I turned them into lamb tacos the next day. Oh no, I, I can having leftover lamb is is one of life's great pleasures. It is, so long as you warm it up because uh, yes. cold lamb fat no. <clears throat> ain't the best. Yeah. You are listening to The Trip on uh, uh, 3 Triple R FM. And one more time, we just again, mm-hmm. an acknowledgement and thank yous for all the people that subscribe during Radio Yes, indeed. Hopefully you won some prizes. Yes, indeed. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. Triple R is listener-supported radio and receives no direct government funding. If you would like to financially support Triple R by donating or becoming a subscriber, hit up the Triple R website to find out how. And look who is in the studio with us. Miranda Sharp, welcome back. 
thank you so much, Cam. It's been a while, isn't it? It has been a while. Yeah. Haven't we been busy? Well, gosh, it's um, it must seem like twenty years. Uh, have they flown by since uh, that first uh, first session? Now, where was that Collingwood ch- Children's Farm? That's right. Yes. Yep. Yep, just a, an idea that uh, not an original idea, obviously, because uh, yes. market's been around uh, in some cultures for many, many years. Not to mention our permanent ones. Seemed like ones a good here. idea at the time. Have just some once people. a month. Yeah. Yes. What, what could possibly be hard about that? Yes, and uh, it, it's such a cliche, and I'm going to get smacked, but you can't reach me from <laughs> here, uh, which is good. But that whole idea from very a little thing, from a kernel of an idea. Um, this thing has grown really into a movement. It is a movement, isn't it? It is a movement. I think that we're just part of a little part of the local food movement, and that's the important part. Is that um, you know, there's not one solution to this um, dilemma. This big, big topic that um, thankfully people and are starting to talk about. What What is this uh, this question? How do we get nutritious food at a fair price? For and a fair price for the grower. Indeed, and it's a it is a really challenging question, because it seems simple on the surface, to some degree, and we all eat, so uh, we all kind of feel like we've got an invested, an opinion of this. Yes, we 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 all have that in common. As we hear do all, you out there, dear listener? Indeed, yes. we hear a lot about a lot about cheap food, big food, accessible food, shit food. Sorry, I had Your to say, words. sorry, I, Your I, I, words. Did, I didn't need to do that, did <laughs> I? I'm sorry. But, the, but there, are, there, there is good food, nutritious food, and then there is empty food. Sorry, that's probably yeah, a that's nice right. way to say it. Sorry, that's, kids. That's right. And when we, when we dig a little, you mm. do find that, you know, whether we're looking at it from a nutritional perspective, from biodiversity, from accessibility, from and just our connection, is that there's very little on the surface, but it, a lot happens deeper down as soon then, as we ask the questions. As uh, And then that also uh, uh, mirrors the whole idea of soil structures and things that, that should be the same thing that's happening under there as well, yeah? So many parallels. Mm, yeah, <laughs> and, you know, that's... Um, it seems to be one of the things that I've learnt in my time here is that soil is everything. More and more our growers, I think, and regenerative farming, the, mm. the, the topic of regenerative farming is really becoming um, a mainstream topic, thankfully. People are really starting to realise that um, we need to clearly listen to our forefathers and our Indigenous people about their practices, stop with the quick fix chemical use, you know, to to just get the yield Mm. and think more about what, I mean, what what does the future hold for farming? (coughs) Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) uh, Involuntary. Who knows? That's, uh, um, that, that is the thing. But here we are. It is mm. 20 years since uh, the uh, the first people arrived to, to sell great fruit and veg. But a, a little bit about you just before we, we, we go on. You, um, 
Did you work under um, Stephanie? It was you say that one of the great influences is Stephanie and Dura. Dura she most, yeah, most certainly they are um, in my youth when I was uh, a caterer. Young yes, caterer. Tiny. You were at the Butler's Pantry as well. I did. I did. I my used to work, work at the Butler's Pantry a million years ago. Good grief! We've what was the name of the guy that had that? Uh, at the time, Barry. The Barry who Barry. drove the Barry who drove the truck. Yep. Yes, um, and then there was another guy. Webster. Webster, yes, right. No, no, that's wrong. Anyway, yeah, anyway. Uh, Butler's wow. Pantry, yes, work yeah. experience, year 10. Yes. Uh, and then, and that absolutely hooked me. And mm. um, and then I. And then you found Stephanie. a little, catered yeah. a lot. Yes. Found Stephanie and Jure, who just for their determination within an industry that, um, you know, I think was going in a sort of different direction with with the celebrity status and they yeah. are two women with their feet on the ground um so i thought no that's my <laughs> that's who i would yeah would if you pursue if you've never heard the word dura dara um before stephanie alexander her flagship restaurant in taronga road yeah, hawthorne yeah, right. um dura dara was the front of house and stephanie was the back of house and they were in a way a bit of an unlikely couple a bit of an odd yeah, couple in yeah. in a lot of ways but through that, um, they were magnificent together. Absolutely. Uh, and one of great mentors yeah. to have. So anyway. And uh, Jure was the president, first female probably, um, president of the Victorian uh, Restaurateurs and Caterers Association. She was too. So she was very much a champion for the, you know, catering in the restaurant world and the hospitality mm. world was pretty small yes. um, in the scheme of things. And as our, you know, we hear so much about the industry, one end of the industry, yes. and rightly so because it's our, they are the flagship, but that's where we fit in. We, mm. the caterers, we, the farmers, you yeah, know, and then, providing. And then the providers. So mm. tell me, what do you remember much about that, that first session of, uh, of selling and did it sell out and were there a lot of people that came and... And what were your impressions of that first time? It most certainly sold out. It yes. wasn't um, – I certainly, you know, cannot take credit for everything by any means. There were mm. there were some farmers markets in regional Victoria at that stage. Yes. Um, Yarra Valley and South Gippsland and um, Pete Arnold. What about was, Red Hill, the Red Hill market? Was that Red a farmer's market? Red Hill was market, definitely was that... still going. Actually, I had a stall at Red Hill for yes. many years selling spices. Yes. Uh, lots, of, lots of green gumboots and Range Rovers right. and golden retrievers everywhere. wonderful other craft and things. Yes. And, and yes. But there wasn't this one thing about the, about a producer being able to sell directly to their customer and have, as you mentioned in the introduction, have that chat mm. A relationship. A relationship, yeah. Mm. On a really simple basis. It wasn't – It was, but a really meaningful one because it was something that we all shared. It wasn't like talking to your bank manager or, you know, someone you'd never see again. You were talking about what you were going to cook for your family yes. or your household or whoever um, and had the opportunity to come back and swap things, talk about things, mm. you know, give feedback, sure. Yes. All of those important things that make us feel like we're invested in the thing. We have an involvement in the in thing a, we In do. a community, mm. you know. And there's a lot of buzzword around, as we all know, but this I just felt that this was a way to very simply make that connection. Yeah, yeah but the, the buzzwords that are around but it, uh, fundamentally... Yeah, what you feel is very, very profound and just part of the whole 
human condition, really, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, nurturing, growing, hopefully selling and stuff like that. So tell tell um, the listener, if you could, about how the um, how the the idea of the markets took hold and grew, and after twenty years, where are you at today? <laughs> Still here, it would yeah. seem. Yes, yeah, oh, you're damn right you are. Got bloody wet yesterday at a farmer's market, I can Which tell you. Which we, we, we <laughs> must address, of course. We, we need to talk a little bit about that too. Well, it seemed like uh, in 2002, that was obviously, um, that, it, that there were a couple of people who liked the idea and mm. a few other community groups contacted me and said, you know, how do we... How do we... How can we get on board? How do we do that? Yep. So... Eventually, uh, well, in the next couple of years, a, a sort of once-a-month circuit came about mm. across Melbourne and they added up to once a week. So people, you know, went That's went easy. Everywhere. Okay, that fits that was in. Easy. That's, that's good. And but, then... But then, <laughs> yeah, the glory days, yes. everyone was saying, how do I get a piece of that action? You know, yes. how do I do this? And, I, and, and the, also the feedback was, you know, I can't go from bloody Northcote to St Kilda every... Every week, or you know, crossing mm. town. Why aren't we doing this more often? Yes. And it, and looking at the international models of of such a thing, of course, uh, yeah, why street not? corner. Whether you're in New York or in South mm. of France, you know. Yes. It's it's just it's just uh, part of the community. And um, so I I was living in South Gippsland, juggling all sorts of things, <laughs> including oh. two small responsibilities. Yes. At that stage. Yes. And we. Came back to Melbourne for various reasons, and I thought, right, now's the time to do this properly or not at all. Right. And um, so we set up Melbourne Farmers Markets, which is a um, we're a not-for-profit company and a now a certified social enterprise. So the idea was that it would it would outlast me, mm. and certainly not focus on me. It, it needed to diversify, have other people's voices in it, have a have a governance structure, and we would run as a business. Yes. A social enterprise, whilst our, um, you know, our beneficiaries are the small businesses, so profitable businesses ideally. Yes, we would operate similarly and um, entirely on our trade, and then grants and uh, anything that that came in from the um, from the universe providing would be about projects, projects about connectivity between. Um, growers and more customers about waste, about the you know mm. bigger um, issues in the in the food system. Yes, and now and of course equity and accessibility and food security. Because that is the important thing. Here's one thing I'd like you to maybe address and dispel: um, is that there are the cynical amongst uh, the world and uh, that say hmm, farmers markets. Nice little inflection mm, there. Mm. Um, you know, it's just a bunch of, you know, bourgeoisie um, who can afford that sort of thing. And, you know, what about poor people who can't afford that? And there are things that you have been doing mm. to do such things, have you not? Absolutely. And I'm not here to deny or or determine mm. any one thing in that argument. And I think there's – oh, sorry, that argument, because that – that suggests that there is mm. a conflict. Yes. Why don't we look at how we do things better? Yeah. Like small-scale production of anything may have, well, certainly is different. With the um, economies of scale with we're talking. With the economies of scale. Yes. 
we've developed agriculture in being, you know, less, certainly less diverse. That's ended up in, to some degrees, in monocultures. Yeah, less boutique, rather more mono. That's right. Which which nature detests, which we we kind of know that. But, and yeah. well, and mm. make and is very vulnerable. Yeah, is um, vulnerable. Yeah. And and nature. Nature is the um, nature is the driving force here. Nature and, will prevail, and nature seems to be having not the last laugh, but uh, certainly um, making us take notice uh, in the fact that we see this cataclysm, this slow enveloping mm. wet cataclysm mm. develop. It has been up in Queensland. It has been in New South Wales, and now that we find it in Victoria as well. Yeah, and. Uh, Gosh, we're seeing some, going to see some pretty heavy ramifications because of that. Yeah? We are, and it's a very, very big conversation we need to have about the diversity in our in our food system mm. um, and the reliance on any one egg in one's basket. Absolutely. Um, and I think it's sort of yeah, it's really giving us a sign that now's the time that we need to suggest it. If we were, if we, if we've spent however long denying it. Or mm. ignoring it, some, uh, some, yes, uh, and there's no one solution, and farmers markets certainly aren't, and and there is very much um, an affordability. <laughs> we're not the Messiah. We are not. We're just trying we're, to grow some. We're just naughty yes. kids. <laughs> yes, we are. rat bags. I think is my my oh, favourite. Yes, indeed. Love a rat bag. Yeah, yeah. Um, but back to the question. I yes. think so. So we've heard this over many, many years and I, I think we're in a kind of in an interesting sort of pace, place within the food sector that there's, we've never been able to collect a lot of the data that mm. we needed to to kind of show all the, there's lots of anecdotal evidence and comparisons yes. between the price of iceberg lettuce. Uh-huh. So, shall we say? Yes. Um, between what you might pay at a farmer's market and what you might pay in the supermarket. But mm. it it's it's not is it the point of the argument or should we or should we be growing local food to share across the across the community whoever we are and however we access it and strangely in co- in the lockdown years we've really had the opportunity to show some of this and mm. by virtue of um a collective of social enterprises getting together that's it yes mobilized by the wonderful Beck Scott and Kate Burrell at, at Street, we yes. formed Moving Feast. That's it, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you've yeah, some and very, very interesting collaborations yeah. have come from this. So the two ends of the supply chain were obviously completely disrupted. The growers who had no hospitality clients, yes. customers, the hospitality customers themselves, mm. and the people who were particularly vulnerable in the in a, in the pandemic situation with not being able to with so many channels of supply and support breaking down. And what we did was get together and prove that on a very small scale, I certainly, you know, we, we acknowledge um, we were able... Little steps, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But it was, a, it was a great opportunity to show the, ro- the, the strength of, of, the colla- of collaboration, not the rhetoric of, oh, we, you know, we're going to do everything together, but actually doing it. So we had, mm. you know, grower, distributor, well... We played a role as the with our hub in Alfington, with cool rooms, with storage space, with open space. Yep. We were the 
we were the collector and the connector yes. between the growers who were high and dry with customers um, and then pass it on to the, the produce on to other organisations like um, the wonderful Fruit to Work who do have a delivery network to um, kitchens that didn't have – who had staff but didn't have customers so yes. they were cooking meals and then – Connecting to the end, um, the the agencies who have like street. contact, like street, yeah. like cultivating community, yeah. like diverse in our suburbs, yeah. who have connection with people, with households who might be in need. So there you go. So you know, for uh, you know that argument that uh, farmers markets are only for a certain demographic, uh, it goes deeper. It goes deeper and broader. This is like a nice taproot that's gone into the ground and spread mm. out. Have there been funny things that have happened to you over the years? I'm just wondering if there are any amusing anecdotes <laughs> of, I don't know, when when uh, the, the giant, the heavens opened up while you were setting up or, you know, weather oh, events or... Every other day. You know, when, <laughs> when the donkey went crazy and yeah. ran through, you know, the, the herd of goats that took off with the falafel van. <laughs> I don't know. What, <laughs> endless, endless yeah. ridiculous things have happened over the years and mm. I'm always the one who gets pushed out into the, uh, you know, oh, she'll pick it up, she'll she'll what? stand under that running tap or, yes. you know, as the heavens open and yes. break the markets or whatever. So there you are. The, at the um, Miranda at the Vanguard, you are the Vanguard. You are the instigator and you are the inspiration what do you think the next 20 years will bring for growing fruit and veg around this place and uh, Melbourne farmers markets? Whoa. 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 Well, I'm I'm sure I, I'm sure it won't be me as the vanguard at that stage. I'll be in the I'll be in the I don't know what the, I'll be in the last car- carriage, I think. Yeah. Um, but still absolutely um, agitating from wherever I am. Well, I can, yeah, I think I can we're imagine up for that. some really, really, really hard times. I, I think, think we you're right. don't think we can sugarcoat that that um, uh, yeah, there's a lot of challenges out there, and this this um, the aftermath of the of the pandemic is actually only just starting to. And that's just the pandemic. I mean, yeah. forget about the you know the, the climactic floods, the, uh, yeah. peril. Um, I would say, would you agree with me on this statement? Then we'll we'll uh, we'll let you go. But I think now than more than ever, uh, do you, would you agree with me in the fact that. You shouldn't be planning your meals until you actually get to where the food is to work out what you can afford, what is cheapest, and uh, to be very canny in what we buy. Absolutely, because the the surprises that you find on mm. any – as each week rolls out, whether expected or otherwise, there is always variety. And there's always an alternative. Oh, absolutely. And if you're stuck with with one um you know, one recipe in mind and mm. not um open to substituting one greens for another or a fruit mm. or whatever, or throwing out the idea and doing something completely different. Yeah. You ain't living. That's right. Well, agreed. Uh Miranda Sharp, a huge congratulations to you and the organization. Um, and all the people that have, well, put their hands in the soil, gotten up very, very early, done lots of miles to get stuff and get great nutritious food to people and, most importantly, all those collaborations along the side to get food to everybody. 
congratulations, Miranda. Thanks, Cam. And and I, you know, I, it's really. Um, we, we certainly haven't done it alone, obviously. There are so many people, including yourself, mm. including so many supporters in the community, in the media, in the industry, in farming, obviously, who've, who, are, who continue, as we all do, just to try our guts out to get that message out to that there's joy in doing this as well as the food we buy, the people we meet. There is sheer joy in this. Uh, and, and, you know, I think the challenges are showing us that for all that we can do things in a terribly sophisticated way, all mm. we want to do is be together yeah. and we want to be connected. And make great it's food make and great eat food well together. And eat well. Well, here's to many more, many great meals and uh, please offer all from us, Matt and myself, congratulations to all involved. Thank well you. done. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. Triple R is listener-supported radio and receives no direct government funding. If you would like to financially support Triple R by donating or becoming a subscriber, hit up rrr.org.au to find out how. Well, John, here we are on uh, an interesting, uh, interesting times, I suppose we'd have to say. Uh, we just had a chat to Miranda Sharp. And uh, from Melbourne's farmers' uh, markets, we thought we'd come to the Vic Market and have a chat to you. And uh, first of all, how are you doing? I am doing very well, thank you. I hope you are the same, and I hope everyone else there is um, weathering the storms that we've had. Yeah, there there are to uh, lesser and greater extents as uh, as we go up the eastern seaboards. And you know, we've talked with Miranda about uh, uh, the effects on prices. Um, yes. We've uh, this has got um, a bit of time to play through, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I brought you my show and tell here, which are these beautiful asparagus. Now, I've got some here that are uh, let's it's see, what are big, we? big yeah. asparagus, uh, about fifteen to sixteen centimeters long. Mm-hmm. Um, not quite as thick as my thumb, but very, very tight head. Very beautiful, green, shiny, clean all the way down. I, I must say, just for the, the listeners that might not have met you, John has big thumbs. Yeah, I have, yeah. I, I have big thumbs. Yeah. Um, now, these came out of Kuirup. Now, they're growing in a beautiful peat down there, um, which is a heavy black soil. Yes. Uh, it hasn't been windy, uh, maybe very rainy, but these uh, beautiful asparagus have jumped up out of the ground. G'day, Chief. How's it going? Yes. Yeah, back to these beautiful asparagus. Yes, I had to go and serve an old fella that I've been serving from when I was a young boy. Um, Now, these asparagus are nice and clean, like I said. They've probably endured a lot of rain, but they're still very happy because they're nice and pristine. These are about as good as asparagus can be, I reckon. Uh, I'd say that's the best asparagus you'd ever have seen. Yeah, Um, beautiful. Yes. Now, these other asparagus are a little bit thicker, a little bit uglier. Mm. Now, still very, very good to eat, don't get me wrong. These came out of Mildura. They're grown in a sandy soil. And um, you can see little little marks on the skin. It's like the, someone's, that's the wind in the sand. The wind in the sand. They've had a windstorm. They don't look pretty, but they re- eat really, really well. It's like nature's just sort of rubbed them with a little bit of sandpaper. Definitely, yes. Yeah. So um, all you need to do is rub them with a little bit of olive oil and shove <laughs> them in the oven, mate. Yes. Um, a, a lot of people may peel it off, 
Um, I wouldn't bother. I'd leave it on because there's yeah. uh, it, nothing wrong. The, the skin's healed. There's no nothing stuck in there. Maybe a little bit of grit in the top head, but yeah. nothing to worry about. They touch beautiful. And, so and also there's one thing that you've preached to us about is that uh, for a long time uh, the, uh, the sort of the, 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 the thinking was the asparagus tells you where to break and you reckon that's not good. No, not good. If you see a lot of white, you either peel it back with a potato peeler or you cut it. Um, so I got about there. Well, that's wasting a good centimetre and a half of uh, beautiful asparagus. Yes. Different if you're throwing it into a stock, but not a lot of people make stock anymore. No. So it's better to cut it. Um, if you're not happy for where you cut it, you cut it a little bit higher, but try not to be too savage at the start because it's a shame to throw away three centimetres of nice tender asparagus that oh, are, yeah. are, are juicy and crisp and, you know, they make you feel good when you eat them and make you feel good when uh, you pass water because, you know, your kidneys are working. Well, it lets you know, and so quickly too, which is uh, one of the crazy things about that. Um, so how much for a bunch of this? Well, the Kuwira up, we've been selling $15. And yes. The Mildura ones, we've been bunching them up. It works out about $10 a kilo. Uh, you can buy cheaper, but be careful what you buy like everything else. Uh, these are straight out of the ground. They haven't been sitting in a fridge for a week or two. So, you know, I, I think that's one of God's gifts uh, to us. Yes, and certainly it's a, uh, certainly a, a great sign of... Uh, a spring, even though the spring's been kind of weird this year. Uh, but, yes, go and get those uh, while you can. Um, I've pulled out these rather beautiful... I love these cucumbers. These are a Lebanese cucumber, but they're a different variety. Some of them grow a little bit curlier. They're not straight. Yes. Um, they have a very, very sort of a dry texture, yes, but they have very less crunchy. Moisture. Less moisture. Very little, if any, seed. We eat them in a salad. We even make a very quick pickle. You know, you just boil the water and vinegar and throw it over them and yes. let them sit in a jar for a few days. Yep. Um, but really make a salad because they're crunchy. And talking of salad, you've brought a beautiful butter lettuce. Um, it's pretty. It is. You know, with all the leaves, not too tight, not too loose. Um, yeah. A nice, beautiful green hue, a little bit lighter in the middle. Mm. I like it because it's soft. Uh, my mum hates it. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. It's like, um, I, I find it, my least favoured lettuce is a thing called, I think it's called coral lettuce, which is sort of spiky, and when you eat it, you sort of get all these little Yeah, but little if, spikes. if you put a, a, a vinegar dressing on it, it, mm. it, it'll tame that down. It's like a milk thistle. Mm. You know, a milk thistle can be very, very coarse and rough. Yep. Uh, the budgies love them when they're old, but when they're nice and young, you know, you can see they're still very, very tender. Yes. You, you put a, a oil and vinegar on them and eat it as a salad, it is very, very nice. There's no prickles there. Yep. And, and that's the same with some of those lettuce. I hate iceberg. I can't eat it. If I'm having a pasta sauce mm. and have iceberg, I feel very acidy. Really? So, you know, maybe in a salad, but a sandwich, but not, not in a salad. Oh, this is that whole thing. What about a curried egg sandwich? Oh, definitely. Iceberg lettuce? Yeah, yeah. That, yeah then yeah. the crunch that is works, right. That works. Okay, so there's... there's uh, and then Sang Joy Bao. Yeah, definitely. Well, you've got to have that oh, for that. Definitely. But um, Okay, and um, it's this beautiful time of year where we've got little zucchinis. Only about six centimetres long. Oh. You know, the size of most people's hand. Yeah. Um, yeah. These are very, very nice. They've grown overnight. 
They haven't been sitting on a plant. They haven't been sitting around. They're very, very fresh. These are beautiful. Chop into maybe four pieces and steam it very quickly. Um, and then if you're very naughty, you melt mozzarella over them. Have you ever done that? Sounds really, really yeah, good. It does. But they're, they're, you can do everything with them. You can make a frittata with them. You can fry them in the roast. Yes. Fry them in a soup. I love pan fried um, to get that because there's something about the caramelisation of the zucchini that is just so delicious when you brown it off really, really nicely. Especially when they're young, you get a beautiful aroma as well as a beautiful taste uh, before it turns into, you know, late spring, summer, you get, they turn into marrows and they, they, do, they taste do. of nothing. Yes, that's right. Um, and I brought out, um, uh, just to have a quick look, you've got, uh, what variety of potatoes are these? Uh, this is something rose, I can't remember the name. Yeah. It's a subspecies of a Desiree. Yeah. Um, this variety is uh, a very, very dry potato, yeah. uh, which is beautiful because you can do a lot of things with it. You can make... Um, uh, chips or wedgies or bake them in the oven mm. um, they're not going to fall a bit so they'll stay firm mm. uh, if you want a potato that'll fall a bit you have to get a floury one in Sebago yeah. um, but we've been eating these sometimes they can't they're not as yellow as some of the Desirees but still very very tasty well this is your real classic red potato actually it's sort of almost magenta isn't it it Beautiful is it's colour. more magenta than pink yeah I'd love to see that in a, in a potato salad Yes, definitely. That'd be that'd be good like that. All right, well, uh, let's get to the pick of the market for uh, this uh, this Sunday. Okay. Unfortunately, we sold out of peas. We had some beautiful peas. We sold them fourteen dollars a kilo. Garden peas. Mm. They were like sugar, little baubles of sugar. They were. Mm. Green beans that I got Friday were special. The ones I got Wednesday, they had been affected by the rain and went straight in the bin. Yep. But these ones are beautiful beans. They're nice juicy, crisp. When you break them in half you can see the jelly. There's no seed in them. Broad beans are still running hot. Beautiful. They? Eight dollars a kilo. Hey, beautiful. beautiful broad beans. Got about eight or nine big broad beans inside. They're very tender. Yep. I'll let you double peel them if you want because they are big. <laughs> <laughs> we've, been still, blessed. <laughs> we've been blessed. We've still got all the tomatoes we need. Yes. We've got beautiful cherry tomatoes, mini Roma, truss. We've got beautiful golden cherry tomatoes, black Russian cherries. Uh, we've got Rouge de Marmon, we've got our Murray Bridge tomatoes for beautiful salad. Yeah. We've had some beautiful Romas to cook or eat. Yeah. So we're rather blessed at the moment. Oh, I think probably the tomatoes to eat or cook are my pick of the market. You know, take some home, mm. cook up a beautiful breakfast, have some in a salad during the week. Yes. Make a beautiful sandwich with them. Can't go wrong. Love a Roma cut in a half, a little bit of olive oil, a little bit of smoked paprika on top, under the griller. Definitely. They, they, or definitely in the other. The tomatoes with the less acid of the pick of the crop, so yeah. yes. And uh, just to finish our off, uh, we look across at uh, the world of fruit. Um, I see that uh, the mangoes are starting to come down. I yeah, see there's yeah. some whole bunch of green mangoes over there. They look good. Yeah, yeah. I can't see the ticket on those. Um, the, the KPs... Um, they're anything from 350 upwards. Yep. Uh, we had one the other day. And nearly there was, was sweet enough, trust me. But I like them when they're dripping and cold and, and, and you can smell them from a mile away. I'm still waiting. I'm still yeah. waiting. Uh, John, have an awesome day. Uh, what's for dinner tonight at home? Uh, tonight a quick pasta. By the time I get home, I feel ragged. So mm. 
But then again, she might surprise me. Yeah? She did... Um, asparagus omelette? Yeah, it could be asparagus omelette, maybe with a nice steak or some nice chicken. Deep-fried cauliflower? Yeah, you never know. Yeah, you never know. Like I've tried to be good this week. Oh, good boy. Good boy. <laughs> ah, good to see you. Thank you, John. <laughs> yes, have a lovely week. Back to the studio. Take care. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. Triple R is listener-supported radio and receives no direct government funding. If you would like to financially support Triple R by donating or becoming a subscriber, hit up rrr.org.au to find out how. Probably the very first thing I need to do is to apologise to our guest, Shuki, who has just released uh, very good salads. Sorry, we can't give you enough time, but uh, I think what that does is it allows us to maybe talk in the future and you can uh, bring your business partner who unfortunately couldn't be here. So a very, very good afternoon to you, Shooky from Very Good Falafel. Hello. <laughs> hey, Cameron. How are you? Good, good. Um, it's uh, it's funny how this uh, – it's a small world that we have here because – our previous guest, Miranda Sharp, is no stranger to you. No. Um, a long time ago, uh, you and your business partner, Louise, were started making dips from... Was it a share house just around the corner here? Yeah. It was in Blythe Street, yeah? Yeah, 134 Blythe Street. That's where um, Louise and I met, living together in a big share house. Yes. And How big are we talking? Like seven bedrooms, yeah. eight people, huge backyard. Yeah. Did, you, did um, you have a roster? What's that? Did you have a roster to... No, no. just wow. like Anarch- no cleaning man. needed. Yeah, it, it, but it worked well. <laughs> yeah, it was fine. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, anyway, we shouldn't get hung up on the <laughs> thing. Otherwise, yeah. I'm going to waste time. <laughs> Do not waste time doing radio. But um, So we started... Um, uh, Louisa and I... Louisa was a primary school teacher, and yes. but she had a really big passion for food and, and I was agri- and, and agricultural roots from from her family this was the family, crazy thing yeah her family growing um chickpeas chickpeas not anymore they used to yeah. but growing um barley and wheat in victoria for over 100 years now whereabouts was that again witchy proof witchy proof that's yeah. right yeah witchy proof and um you must have said man you grow chickpeas i know about chickpeas yeah. <laughs> and and what's so now what's what's your background it was kind of interesting there's a bit of romanian and i'm it, from israel my is, mom is iraqi and my dad is romanian iraqi romanian <laughs> that, that's that's a good one, and you know, in this world of Australia, where we are all from somewhere else, yeah, you know, mine's uh, Canadian, Ukrainian. Oh, I yeah. used to say Russian, but I'm not Russian no more. Um, but that's a, this is an interesting thing, and in that you know, when you met, you I know about chickpeas, and I know what you do with chickpeas, mm. and uh, we make. Uh, Hello, what is the correct pronunciation for a falafel? Is it falafel? I think that's the one that's incorrect. Good. Um, So we can disprove that one. Falafel. Falafel. And I say falafel. um, Yeah. It's just falafel. I don't know. It's It's not like, yeah, it depends. You go a suburb here, a suburb there. But this is something, it's a dish um, it's it's a thing that is pretty much took over the world, has it not? You know, and do you know anything about the just the, the history of of this dish? Where did it originally come from? Probably from the area of 
what's like Palestine, Syria, yeah. Lebanon. Because some say was the in, there's an Indian influence too, because that's where chickpeas originally came from. Um, but yeah, like the the idea of making a patty or like a frita mm. out of legumes and pulses is not new in the area. So like mm. the Egyptians making tamia, which is falafel from broad beans. beans. Yeah. And in Yemen they make. Um, Oh, I forgot what a it's different, called. A different They're one. They make another yeah. one from black-eyed beans. Yes. Um, so, yeah, and it's all in the area. But, okay. um, yeah, chickpea falafel is from... And and from this little thing, you uh, you and Louise, who started doing dips and you got to Marie Miranda and uh, do uh, selling the dips, which went very, very well. Yeah. And um, when did you take over the shop at 629 Sydney Road? About... Seven years ago? Yeah. Yeah. And it was so an old, after three old bakery years, or something? It was a cake shop. Yes. It was an Italian cake shop before. Yes. And, yeah, we never looked back. It was really good. Well, it's uh, <laughs> there are so many people that uh, say thumbs up to your um, stuff, as I said at the beginning of the show, Elizabeth McCarthy, who's uh, a huge fan, our fearless leader, Dave Hutchins, uh, a huge fan, and... Uh, and I read a review here. What was it? This is a, doesn't get much better than this, I reckon. LOL. I don't know whether that's the person's name or just they're saying laugh out loud. I don't know. But they say lots going on around the plate. Spicy, creamy, tangy, crispy, crunchy. Mm. That's pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty good. Hot, cold. Yeah, yeah. hot, cold. Yeah, but, but um, you have just done, um, brought out a cookbook. Yeah. Um, where you have, uh, it's called uh, Very Good Salads from the place, Very Good Falafel, 52 salads. So we could have one different one every week and you go into the different seasons because that's yeah, a we, big part of what you do. We wrote the book over here. Um, there's actually more than 52 recipes mm-hmm. there. And, yeah, we just cooked every Sunday because... At the shop, every day we do four different salads, yes. which they don't repeat themselves. They're always different. And we got... And they all look amazing. Thank you. Yes. Um, it's good because that way we don't get bored. The customers don't get bored. And yeah. we get to work with whatever is in season in, in the right price. Um, and so, we, yeah, every week we get um, together and cook the top salads that we made at the shop this week or something we wanted um, to try, and, yeah, we made a book out of it. <laughs> it's, it's sort of like trying to, uh, you know, um, sort out a favourite child, you know, to say, come here, my favourite one. <laughs> Do you have a, a, a favourite or a, a, a top two or three salads that you cannot do without, yeah. that if you do not have, you will dream there's, of? There's a... I think um, that the book works well if you pick up a few salads and mm. make a feast and have a table that celebrates that season, maybe twice a season. You know what I mean? Well, I do because <laughs> as well as um, really, really great recipes and, and generous recipes, there are photos here, Matt, where you just look and you go, yeah, I want everything that's on that table. <laughs> and that would be one of those things, you know, yeah. you have a – a great, great meal is where you don't know what to eat next because everything looks so delicious. Yeah, you're sort of creating a new salad by mixing so many salads on your plate. Yes, <laughs> and textures and yeah. looks and things. But um, There is um, tomatoes that are cooked in pomegranate um, juice. 
that are really, really good. Yes. Uh, topped with some crunchy garlic and hazelnut. Um, and cherries with coriander and walnuts and um, leek with pilpalchuma. A lot of really good recipes. And we also um, teach how to make from scratch a schug recipe, which is mm. like the green chili sauce, mm. and amba, which is the mango chutney. Haven't had that one. I've never heard of that before. I think it's the first Australian recipe for amba, um, and it's not very common. It's no, a, never seen that. Tell, yeah. tell us some more about that. Amba is a Jewish-Iraqi condiment Yes. Um, that... 1830, Baghdad, Ottomans there, the sultan was not a very nice guy for the Jews, so they decided to um, walk away <laughs> to India. Again? And they yeah. went past um, Gujarat and saw the mango chutney over there. Oh, and okay. they well, like, oh, that that's really good. Yeah, and, yeah. Potatoes, not so much. The Gujarat <laughs> potatoes, but we'll take the chutney. That's so it. this is a chutney that uses green mangoes. Green mangoes. So mm. you ferment the green mangoes for a couple of weeks, and yes. then you mix them with like a spice mix, and that's how you make the chutney. Yeah. It's all in the book. And uh, one of the things that also is in the book is a, a, a really, really cool glossary. I think you'd like, Matt, uh, in the fact that there's a lot of things that are explained. Um, most of the things are available at the supermarkets, but there's a few things. Um, the date, um, the sweetener that you use, uh, date syrup. Date molasses. Date molasses. Yeah. Yes, different from pomegranate molasses, which will rip your face off because yeah. it's quite sour, but the date molasses is used for the sweetness, yeah? Yeah, we don't have sugar at the shop and we just mm. use um, normally dried fruit to sweeten stuff or date molasses, which is, yeah, like juiced down dates pretty much. Yeah. Um, yeah, and yes. if you can get your hands on the Iraqi one or anyone that don't have sugar syrup in them, mm. then they're the real deal and they're the best. There's also, um, folks out there, there is a recipe, and this is the ultimate generosity, I think, um, which uh, gives away the secret of your falafel, and uh, and you've given the recipe for it, which I think is amazing. <laughs> yeah, um, I can tell you that after six years in the, or seven years, having the shop, what's hard is not just making the falafel, but just running that business. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm not too well, scared of... <laughs> I'll tell you what, maybe when we've missed out on talking to your partner, Louise, um, maybe it'd be great to have you come back again, because... Um, there are other things we can uh, talk out and flesh out because to. Uh, to get the sense of you in 10 minutes, I don't think it's really been quite enough. But the name of the book is... Very Good Salads. And it is available from... Smith Street Books. Yeah, all good bookstores. All good bookstores. I think yeah. it's on Amazon too. Everywhere. It is. Um, <laughs> Shooky, lovely to meet you. Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. 